Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages and inspires you to follow Jesus a little more closely in the week ahead than in the one just past. And if it does, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. First, smash that share button. Send it to whoever you think might be blessed by it. And then two, I wanna invite you guys to give to supporting this ministry. We exist because of the generous support of people just like you who have moved from just consuming from the kingdom into contributing to its advancement. If you want to do that, head over to cfmiami.org slash give and follow the instructions right there on the screen. Enjoy this teaching. Aren't you glad, listen to Stanley, that we have a God who wants to not only revive our hearts, but revive our, this city. Can you praise God for him today? Man, it is good to worship God. It's always a wonderful moment, right, when God's people gather together to worship God. Hey, well, welcome everyone. So good to see you. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at CF. And uh, I want to welcome everyone right now watching us live through our YouTube channel, as well as all of our campuses right now watching us live stream from Doral, Coral Gables, you got West Kendall, Redland Homestead, and even here at Palmetto Bay. Hey, if you're a first-time guest, welcome. Let's encourage them right now, wherever you watch us watching. And today, we're actually wrapping up this series called The Family Trust. How many of you have been enjoying this series so far at all campuses? Yeah? I think it's been so good, so healthy for the families of our church. And today, we are ending by looking at God's Word and learning how a family who trusts in the Lord, listen, breaks those bad habits, those sinful patterns in their family life. I think it's something very important for us to embrace as we seek to live a life that honors God. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 20. And we're going to be learning from Abraham and Sarah, all right? So you can follow along wherever you find yourself. Listen to what God's Word says. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my wife. Sister. Yeah, she's my sister. She lies, right? And then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah to be his. In other words, took Sarah to be his wife. Yeah, that is God's word. You can go into Casita, everybody at all campuses. Again, it's good to see you. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, Ashley and I, we like to go on date nights on Friday nights as much as we can. Uh, and whenever we can, Ashley, we always bring these uh, little stack of cards that are called our moments. And they're little cards that have questions on the back. And they just prompt us to have, uh, you know, to, that bring up topics, fun topics that we never really often talk about. But it's always fun and they're our date to talk about it and we laugh. It's always a great time. But a few weeks ago, we were on a date night, and as we were having dinner, she pulls out a card, and the question that is posed to me on that card was this, is what is a mistake, a little mistake, that you keep doing over and over and over and over? Oh, yeah. And folks, let me tell you, I didn't have to think much of what is that mistake that I kept doing over and over and over. And here it is. You know, at home, we have in our fridge a water jug just like this, exactly like this. And so whenever the water jug that's in the fridge runs out of water, 
I always take it out of the fridge and bring it over to our kitchen counter next to the sink where we have a little spout connected to a filtration system. And so every time it's empty, I take it out, I put it under, and I turn it on, and the water starts filling up this jug. But folks, here's the issue. The water comes out really, really slow. And folks, I'm not going to be standing for 20 minutes, yeah, to wait on this water jug to get filled. And so here's what I do. I turn it on, and then I say to myself, you know what? Let me make use of the time. Let me go do things around the house. So I go around the house, I throw out the garbage, do whatever I need to do. But folks, here's the issue. It takes so long that I forget that the water's running. And so usually what happens is I'm walking through the home. There comes a moment that I'm walking by the kitchen and I hear a faint water sound. And folks, the moment that I hear that sound, I'm like, oh my goodness, the water, the water's running. And so folks, I run over to the kitchen. The moment I see it, folks, it's overflowed. Yeah, it's all over the counter. It's behind the appliances. It's inside of the water cabinet. Folks, it's all over the floor. And then I'm like, oh my goodness. So then I run to the linen cabinet, get a bunch of towels. My wife doesn't like this. And I run back. And I'm putting all over, I'm drying all the water that's all over before it starts warping the wood. And folks, I have to clean this whole mess up. And folks, here's the worst part about it. This is not a one-time occurrence. Oh no, it's a mistake I keep doing over and over and over again. And folks, every time I get the water bottle, right, and I come to this dreaded spout, I'm like, Omar, don't forget because I know that if I mess up again I'm going to have to clean it up but folks sure enough I forget over and over and then I have to clean up the mess and it's always a big headache for me and I have to deal with the mess why because I don't stop this pattern in my life and folks let me just bring that over to our time together Because I thought to myself, what an example of when we don't address the sinful patterns, the bad patterns in our family life. And and, and by that, I mean that just like every single time I mess up and then I have to deal with the consequences of the water spout. I have to clean it up just like that. And here's the main idea as we dive into God's word today. Folks, in a much, much greater way, When you and I, listen, when we don't address the bad patterns in our family, the sinful habits in our family life, listen listen carefully, we always end up to clean up the mess every single time we do this. And you know what's worse? Listen, after a while, these patterns, these bad habits begin to have an impact in your marriage in your family, and even on your children. And who knows, maybe you're sitting right here right now at one of our campuses, maybe you're watching online, and you're saying, Omar, I'm tracking with you because I feel I've identified as you're teaching, as you're sharing, there's certain things in our family life that we keep doing over and over and over, and it's taking a toll on our family. 
And Omar, we want to be a family that honors the Lord. We want to be a family that really trusts in God. And so how can we, as a people of God, break these bad habits, these sinful patterns in our life so that we can be the family that God envisions us to be? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Genesis chapter 20 as we continue our journey through the book of Genesis, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 20. And today I have two important thoughts on how to break bad patterns in our family life. Christ Fellowship at all campuses, are you ready to dive into God's Word? Let me hear you. Yeah. Yeah, man, so am I. I am ready. I hope you are. So here's the first point that I want you to write down. Very important. Here's what we need to know. That even a godly family, even the godliest family here, listen, can fall into sinful patterns. Now, folks, listen to what God's word says. It is from there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my what? She is my sister, not my wife. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Now stop right there for a moment and slip into the scene. Because while Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, uh, it's interesting that, to know that he never built a formal home as opposed to his nephew Lot. If you remember from several weeks ago, he had a formal home in the city of Sodom. But folks, Abraham actually was, he knew he was going to be a sojourner in the land of Canaan. In fact, listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews. It says, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. And so notice, Abraham knew that the true home, the true lasting city was the future city that God has for all his people, right? So he never spent too much focus on the land. He never tried to settle. So it's a good reminder for us, right, to always think not of today, but of the future promises of God that we have in heaven. But folks, here's what I want you to understand. During his time of sojourning through the land of Canaan, uh, there was a pattern that began to emerge. And here it is. That whenever Abraham would enter into a new region, he would always be afraid that the king or the ruler of that area would kill him in order to take Abraham, uh, Sarah to be his wife. Uh, apparently, for, uh, even in an older age, Sarah was, was a very beautiful woman. And in this case, right, he entered into the region of the Negev, the, specifically Gerar. And folks, here's the issue. Instead of trusting God, to God to protect them, to God to lead them, to God to make a way. Instead of trusting God, Abraham lied to Abimelech. He said that he was a sister, she was a sister instead of his wife. And get this, Abimelech went and took Sarah to be his. So folks, listen to what happens next. Pretty serious. It says, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, you are a dead man. Because of the woman whom you have taken, 
for she is a man's wife. Now, Abimelech had not approached her yet. In other words, he had not slept with Sarah yet. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not, not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother? In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Uh, uh, now then, return the, mind, the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he would pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So what do we see? God intervenes, right? Uh, in the middle, even despite Abraham's lack of faith, God intervenes. And so listen to what happens next. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants together and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you, would, that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that are not to be done, Abraham. And then Abimelech said to Abraham, well, I did, uh, and Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God of all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. So folks, notice, that verse reveals Abraham's issue. And that is that he feared man more than he feared God. You see, instead of allowing God to protect them, to lead the way, right? He was his people, God's chosen people. Listen, instead, he would rather lie and give up his wife and risk that this king would sleep with his wife. And so as the narrative continues, we see that eventually Abimelech gives this over, gives Sarah over back to Abraham, and they were able to move forward from, from this moment. But folks, here's what I want to point out to us today, that this was not the first time that Abraham did this. In fact, if you travel back to Genesis chapter 12, at the beginning when they first got to the land of Canaan, folks, he did the exact same thing. See, there was a moment where there was a famine in the land of Canaan, so Sarah and him traveled over to Egypt, and listen to what happens 12, uh, eight chapters back, and tell me if it doesn't sound familiar. It says, when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they, they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my wife. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Listen, for, for the sake of time, we can't go into the full narrative, but let me tell you, listen. Abraham, Pharaoh comes and takes Sarah to be his, into his harem. God brings plagues on Pharaoh and for what he had done. The same thing happens like Abimelech, and eventually he confronts Abraham, and he gives Sarah back to Abraham. By the way, aren't you glad 
that even when we make mistakes, God intervenes, that God shows us grace, amen, even when we don't trust him. But folks, the important thing that I want to point out today in this teaching is that there is a pattern that is beginning to emerge in this family. We're going to see something else later on. And here's a danger of patterns. Write this down as letter A at all campuses. And that is that families and marriages erode when patterns develop, when they develop. Now, Scripture does not say this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sarah was really affected by all this. Think about it, not once, but twice. Your husband didn't trust God, lied about who you were, gave you over to a man who would he risk would have sexual relationships with her. And, and, and folks, listen, not only that, but then Sarah couldn't have children. We've learned that, right, she was having trouble bearing children. So I'm sure she already had a lot of insecurities in her heart, and all this started to compile. In fact, last week we saw how she, even a godly woman, how she treated Hagar. And so we see that, you know, there's something in Sarah that she's been affected through all this. But the reality is it had to have an effect on their marriage. How could it not? And folks, when we look at our own lives, listen, when bad patterns emerge in your life, in my life, listen, little by little, it begins to erode your family and it begins to impact even your children. In fact, I would say that the vast majorities of the wounds that we have of the struggles that we have at home, of the struggles that we have in our marriages, it's not a one-time occurrence. Now, there are moments that someone did something one time and it caused deep pain. And listen, I don't want to minimize that. That happens at times. But what I want to say is that if you kind of look practically at our lives, the vast majority of the wounds, of the issues, of the things that we struggle with as families that we all do are all patterns that have emerged in our family life. And so listen, here's the question that I want to pose for us today is this. What is a pattern that has emerged in your life that's slowly eroding your family life, and even your marriage. What's that habit that has emerged in your marriage with your children, in your family life, even in your own personal life, that's starting to erode your family life and your marriage? You know, for some of us, certain bad patterns have emerged. For example, maybe for some of us, there was at one point in your marriage where you got into an argument. Couples get into arguments at times. So one moment in time, you began to dishonor each other. And it wasn't a one-time thing in the middle of the argument. Now, it happens every single time, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. For some of us, it deals with a romantic life, right? Uh, maybe the way that you're handling your, uh, uh, I mean, family, maybe it's something with your finances. Maybe it's frivolous, frivolous spending. Maybe, you, you know, it's not a one-time thing that you committed yourself financially to something, but 
Little by little, you keep doing the same mistakes, overspending, overspending, and it's taking a toll now in your marriage life because it's causing financial strain. So there's a pattern that has emerged. Perhaps for some of us, it's an addiction. Maybe it's an addiction to alcohol. Maybe it's an addiction um, uh, to drugs, some sort of substance abuse. Maybe it's an addiction to gambling. Maybe it's an addiction to pornography. Maybe it's uh, an addiction to a newfound hobby that all it's consuming your entire life. Maybe it's even your phone. Listen, our phones are dangerous. Maybe what's happened now when we get home, instead of spending time with our spouse and with our children, we're more concerned about what's happening in our phone. Maybe that's an addiction in your life. Maybe it's not something as great as an addiction per se, but maybe somewhere along the night, along the way, you used to have date nights with your wife. You used to foster that part of your marriage. And now somewhere along the line, you stopped having date nights. You stopped focusing on your marriage. And throughout the years, what happens is now you feel like you're just roommates in your home. Maybe for some of us, listen, we used to pray as a family, family before a meal. We used to pray whenever there's something happening in our lives that would need a prayer. But now you can't remember the last time you prayed together as a family. And for some of us, let's be honest, then there was a season in our family life where we used to come and worship God together as a family. Every single weekend, we made a commitment to come and worship God together. And then COVID hit, you got out of that good habit, out of that good pattern. And now you come haphazardly and you wonder why your family's spiritual life is not what it used to be. See, the reality is sometimes when we look at our family life, at our marriages, things with our children, listen, it maybe began like a strong rock in the sea, but now it's been eroded. You know, it, it, it could be like a rock, a beautiful rock that started strong, started big, started sturdy, but day after day, month after month, year after year, those waves, those, the patterns of those waves keep crashing upon that rock and after years and years and years of that pattern, the rock has become eroded, it's become weak, it's become cracked, and it is a, a shadow of the rock that it used to be. Maybe that's what's happened in your family. Maybe you started strong as a family, you guys loved each other, things were so, were so great, you and your family, but here's what happens. After years and years and years of pattern of the same thing happening, over and over and over and over. Now you look at your family. Now you look at your marriage, and it's a shadow of what it used to be. Why? There, at some point in time, a bad pattern emerged, and now it's taking a toll on your family. Isn't that what happens with patterns? And so, folks, here's the issue. When patterns that emerge go unchecked, and you allow patterns to continue, here's even the worst part. Write this down as letter B at all campuses. Is that children now mimic the patterns of their children. In fact, if you fast forward from Genesis chapter 20, right, to Genesis chapter 26, we see that Abraham's son, Isaac through Sarah, Folks, eventually adopted the exact same pattern as his father. In fact, listen to what happens, and you tell me if it sounds a little familiar, right? It says this, 
So Isaac settled in Gerar, same exact place that his father was. And when the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, she is my what? Sister. She is my sister. For he feared to say my wife, thinking lest the men of this place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. I guess Isaac and Abraham, they had beautiful wives, right? But when he was there for a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. Obviously, it was a romantic interchange that they were having together. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she's my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. And Abimelech said, What is this that you have done to us, Isaac? One of the people might have easily lain with your wife, and then you would have brought great sin, guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So family, what, what do we see here? Isaac did exactly the same thing as his father. He, to the point that he didn't trust God for protection, for, for leading, and he risked that his wife, Rebecca, who we're going to find out in a, few, in a few weeks, he was waiting so long for her that he risked another man taking his wife and having sexual relationship with her. My goodness, what a pattern we see here. And folks, listen, if we're not careful, the same thing could happen to our families and our children begin to mimic the same mistakes that we make. Now, there is this thing in Scripture called generational curses. And what these generational curses uh, are very rare, very unique, where a group of people do a certain thing against God, and God makes a decree over those people. Now, even in those decrees, they could repent and God would bring them back. But what I want to point out is that those generational curses, for example, are very rare and very unique in Scripture. And so the question is, are families today under generational curses? And family, I don't believe that today families are under generational curses. That doesn't matter what happens, your children are bound by a curse to make the same mistakes. I don't believe that. But what I do think they are is generational sins. And here's what I mean by that. What I mean by that is that not that your children are bound to do the same things, but here's what happens. We know that children... Uh, when they're born, they have the same uh, personality, the same character, right, oftentimes as their parents. So, for example, Camila, my daughter, looks a little more like me, but she has Ashley's personality. And Mateo looks more like, uh, like Ashley, but I think he's more like with my personality. And, and so here's what happens. When they see their parents acting a certain way, living a certain way, they begin to mimic the behavior of their parents. In other words, understand this. When a child is born and they already predisposed with a genetical makeup of a certain personality trait with certain uh, ways of being, right? When they grow in an environment 
where it fosters those specific things, guess what? It only makes sense that if they're born with those personalities and born in those environments, that they're going to start doing what their parents did. History starts repeating themselves. And so think about this. The way that you talk to your spouse, it's going to be the way that your children talk to your spouse, to their spouse. Listen, the way that your children see your marriage relationship and single parents, single moms, single dads, the way that your children see you date around, meet people, do certain things is the exact same way they're going to handle their romantic life. When they see you react to a stressful situation and the way you carry yourself and the words that they use, they're going to react and say the same thing that when they find themselves in a stressful situation. And you see, with the way that they view and they see you, right, handling your finances, the way that you honor God or do not honor God, that's the same way that your children are going to handle their finances, right? Oftentimes, and they're going to honor or not God on, or not honor God. So here's a question that we all need to ask myself, including myself, right? Is the way that we are, that you are living your life, Is this what you envision for your children and your grandchildren? Is the way that you're living your life, leading your life, is that what you envision for your children, for your grandchildren? And if it's not what you envision, it is time to change. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah? If you, if you think, man, the way that I'm living my marriage, the way that I'm living my life, if that is not what you envision for your future generations, it is time to change. In fact, write this down as big number two. Listen, God wants you, God wants me to break sinful patterns in our life. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Now, you may be sitting there right now thinking, Omar, listen, how can I do that? Because I know there's certain things in my life, in my family life, that's not very healthy. So, so how can I do that? Well, listen, I have four practical suggestions for you, all right? First of all, write this down, letter A. The first step is as a family, acknowledge these patterns. See, if there is an unhealthy pattern in your life or a lack of a healthy pattern, there has to be a moment where you call it out. Where you say, the way we're living our life is, is, can I go on? If we keep doing this, this will not be healthy for our family. There has to be a moment when you stop, you evaluate, and there's something that's not healthy, you have to acknowledge it. You have to carry it out. And folks, listen, fathers, husbands, grandfathers, listen, I've been challenging you, challenging you this whole entire series because I want the best for you. Listen, God is calling you to be the leader of the home. God is calling you to be the spiritual leader of the family. That does not mean you need to be a theologian. That doesn't mean you need to be know every scripture, but it means that you set the pace, you set the priorities. And so as a father, whenever you see some sort of unhealthy pattern, listen, you got to call it out. You have to step up and say, you know what? I may not be perfect, but this pattern that's going on in our life, we need to stop this. 
Because, listen, your family is longing for you to step up. Your family is longing for you to simply acknowledge. So if you want a simple step in how to start lead spiritually, start off by simply addressing and acknowledging these patterns in your family life that are not very healthy. Can we encourage the fathers, right, that we love you and we know, listen, that God can use you in powerful ways for your families. Here's the second thing. Write this down as letter B. Second thing is commit to setting new patterns. You know, God's word says, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your what? Your righteous rules. In other words, when you identify a pattern in your life that you know it's not good, that is not God honoring, you need to acknowledge it and say, you know what, from here on out, we may not be perfect, I may not be perfect, but we need to make a commitment to changing this pattern and start a brand new pattern for the sake of our families. And listen, sometimes people can get so discouraged because they think, oh, it's just too much. Omar, it's just too, you know, we're in this situation. It's not good. It's not healthy. I feel like it's impossible to change things. But let me encourage you with something. Even the smallest adjustments to your family life could have a significant impact. In fact, let me just give you a quick visual of what I mean by that. So, for example, if you look at the trajectory of your family life, of your marriage, of whatever the case may be, right? At some point, you were pretty healthy. But somewhere on the way, bad patterns emerged, and you started drifting into unhealth. And here's the issue. If you do not address these patterns today, guess what? They're going to continue to get more and more unhealthy because things don't get better. Things only get worse, right? Bad patterns snowball into much greater issues later on. But here's how I want to encourage you today. Even a small change, even a small adjustment in your family life, the moment you make it, listen, it will have significant impact long-term. It may not change overnight. It may not be today we change it, everything's perfect. But here's what I want to encourage you with. A small change in your personal life, a small change in your marriage, a small change in your family routine, a small change with your children. Today, an adjustment today, a small adjustment today could reap tremendous impact long-term. And God is committed to taking you out of that unhealth. Can we praise God today for that? And third, write this down, letter C. Listen, at critical moments, consider tomorrow. Consider tomorrow. You know, listen, when you're faced with that temptation in whatever circumstance it is, in the middle of a financial crisis, in the middle of an argument with your spouse, in the middle with an issue with your child, listen, the temptation is to only consider today. But let me remind you, Listen, you want to break out of this pattern? Consider tomorrow. Everyone say consider tomorrow. tomorrow. One more time. Consider tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, there has to be a moment, child of God, that you say, you know what? I'm tempted right now to do this one thing, but for the sake of my long-term family, of the relationship with my spouse, with the relationship with my children, for the impact on my grandchildren, I need to stop and consider tomorrow. 
which means, so listen, at those critical moments, you're going to have to swallow your pride at times. You're going to have to resist sexual temptation. You're going to have to bite your tongue. You're going to have to make adjustments. Why? Because listen, if you want a good motivation to start making some changes, I'm not saying you're perfect. But listen, at that moment, you need to stop and you say, what do I envision for my family? What do I envision for my future family? And I'm telling you, when you start thinking more about tomorrow than today, listen, those patterns will eventually start to break down. Can we get an amen to them? Praise God for that. Then lastly, write this down, letter D. Listen, be vigilant of emerging new patterns in your family. Listen, the reality is, is that many people think that spiritual maturity, I want you to listen carefully here. Many people think that spiritual maturity is that a person never sins. That's a lie. Listen, until we see Christ face to face and we're giving a brand new nature, until that day, we have a sinful nature, right? And so listen, there are going to be moments where we mess up. There's going to be moments that we falter. But here's the difference between a spiritually mature person and a spiritually immature person. The spiritually mature person is quick to recognize the sin in their heart and is able to stop those things before they turn into patterns long-term and hasn't affected their life. A spiritually immature person, on the other hand, doesn't recognize when sin starts to creep up in their heart. And what happens? It begins to snowball, and then they suffer the consequences long-term. And family, same thing with our families. Listen, a spiritually mature family is one that says, you know what? We recognize this issue in our life, this bad pattern, this lack of a good pattern, and we're going to recognize it, address it before it becomes truly a bad pattern. On the other hand, a spiritually immature family continues to do the same thing over and over and over, never acknowledges, never changes it, and here's what happens. You go 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, and you wonder why your marriage, why your family is the way it is. Listen carefully. After you do that, you need to be very vigilant. And whenever a new pattern, after you've got back on track, whenever a new pattern emerges, be vigilant and address it so that you can live the life that God is calling you to live. Can we praise again God today for that? Listen, he has a plan for your life. Listen, he wants the best for you. And so folks, let me end with this. You know, perhaps you're here today at one of our campuses. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're somewhere watching this teaching and the reality is that you recognize that throughout your life, you've, there's been a lot of bad habits, a lot of sinful patterns in your life. And the reality is that you have never been able to break free from these patterns. And if you look at your life, all it is is a record of more and more bad patterns and bad habits in your life. And you've been trying to break out of those patterns, but you can't. And you're wondering why. Well, listen, could the reason be is because you don't have a relationship with Christ. Listen, without a relationship with Christ, it does not matter how hard you try. 
It does not matter what you do. When, apart from Christ, you will never be able to break from those bad patterns in your life that have cost you so dearly. This is why the Lord said this in, Matt, in John chapter 8. He said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. But, listen, I love this. But if the Son sets you what? Free. You could do better. What is it? Free. Yeah, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Listen, a power apart from the Spirit of Christ, the power of Christ, you cannot break and you can only be able to start a new trajectory in your personal life, to start a brand new trajectory in your family life. But there has to be a point that you give your life to Christ, that you surrender your life, and that you enter into a relationship with the Lord. You may wonder, Omar, how do you do that? Well, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, saved from your sin, and saved into a relationship with God. Maybe you wonder, well, Pastor, how do you call on God? Is it by coming, sitting down on a service? Is it by going to a campus? Is it by watching online? Listen carefully. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And from that moment on, listen, you start a personal relationship with the Lord. See, folks, there has to be a moment in your life and in my life where we come before God and say, you know what? I need God. And that you no longer put your trust in the things of this world, but you put your trust in the perfect life of obedience that Christ lived for you and how Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins and my sins for all of our shame. And then he resurrected to new life to give us a future and a hope. And the Bible says the moment you surrender, the moment you put your faith and trust no longer in this world, but in Christ and Christ alone, the Bible says that he forgives you of all of your sin. Everything you walked in right now, right now, and you are ashamed of, he forgives of all of your sin. He then makes you his own. You are now his son and daughter. You start a personal relationship with the Lord. And from there on out, listen, you start living the life that God is calling you to live until the day you die, your last day on earth, and you see the Lord face to face for all eternity. Listen, God wants a relationship with you. God wants you to live the life he envisions for you. The question is, listen, today, will you put your trust and faith in Christ? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, Lord, we come before you. For those of us who already are in a relationship with you, that already put our faith on you, Lord. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we're not doing life alone. That even when we get into the bad patterns in our life, Lord, you have a better plan for us. That as long as we commit ourselves, Lord, you will empower us through the power of your spirit, Lord, to enable to live the life you envision us to live. So thank you, Lord, for that. I want to speak to some of us here today with all heads bowed and all eyes closed at all campuses. And I want to just, for those of you who said, you know what, I am ready to start a relationship with God. I'm tired. I'm tired of living this life. I know I need God in my life. Well, listen, if that's you, you are at a great place to be. Because, listen, that's God working your heart saying, hey, come. It's time. It's time. And so if that's you, listen, I'm going to lead you now through a prayer. And when you pray this, you don't pray this to me. 
I'm only a man. I cannot save you. I'm just a human being. You pray to the God who loves you and who gave his son on a cross to die for you so that you can have a future and a hope. You pray to him, okay? So pray this with me. Father, today I realize all the bad patterns in my life. And I've recognized that all these patterns have led me nowhere. So today, Lord, I come before you. And I confess all of my sin. I, I, I ask you for forgiveness for all of my sins. And today, Lord, I put my trust in what your son did for me at the cross. Save me today, Lord. And from now on, Lord, help me to live a life with good patterns, Lord, so that I can live a life that honors you and brings you glory. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.